So today I want to share a thought with you around the uh, the theme of expectations of uh, what our hopes might be, what a preferred future might be for us. The uh, thinking has come about because of it being uh, Palm Sunday, the triumphant entry as Jesus Christ uh, comes into Jerusalem just uh, a week before his uh, his trial, his death, his crucifixion, and uh, then his rising again. So it's a moment in the um, in the Christian story which is full of expectation of what is going to happen next. But also, um, I, I followed the the great Oxford Cambridge boat race last weekend, and that was also full of expectation. There was one thing in particular that had really caught my attention, and that was the story of James Cracknell. Uh, because, um, uh, well, I'm 45, and James Cracknell is 46. Uh, we don't know each other, but I've certainly seen over the last 20 or so years James Cracknell win incredible um, rowing races, and uh, I've also seen him do amazing things. I also was aware that He'd had a bad a cycling accident, which had affected his brain, but that he had made almost full recovery. And uh, I saw him on um, Bear Grylls Celebrity Island, and um, he was fantastic on that. So he's a kind of character which I've always been intrigued by. And he was certainly somewhat deliberately by the BBC uh, made to be a big story for the Oxford Cambridge boat race so that it would attract more people to view and to engage with that so there were I mean there's always a great crowd who watch the Oxford Cambridge boat race it's it's supposed to be seen as the first sporting event of the summer by some I'm not going to question that. That's not for me to decide whether that's right or wrong. But certainly they say a quarter of a million people go down to Putney and watch the boat race every year. It's free to watch um, and it's it's really exciting to see all the races. There's the female race and there's the male race and there's all sorts of other races through the day as well. So 250,000 people go to watch it live and they estimate that somewhere around 7, mil 7 million people watch it on TV uh, as well. So it's really, um, it's a really big event for sport and definitely a big event for rowing in our country. And the outcome, uh, it's a week on now, so it's old news. So I'm sorry if you haven't already found out your best close your ears now, but really who's gonna watch that on playback over a week ago? But anyway, uh, Cambridge uh, landslide victory, they win. The, um, they win the ladies' race and they win the men's race. And so James Cracknell is the oldest, uh, the man, oldest person in history to become a winner in the Oxford-Cambridge boat race, like by a mile. He was, um, he was rowing next to 20-year-olds and uh, he's 46. So he was, it was an incredible feat of, um, of, of fitness uh, of determination, of resilience, of showing that though his body is much older, he is still able to compete with people much younger. So I was thinking about the expectations, right, of being him. Now, I'm obviously not him, and so I would have no idea. But I would imagine that after you've, you've rowed your last stroke and you've crossed the line, you'd think, 
first of all, amazing, elation, fantastic, I have done this, this is brilliant. And then there might be a little, oh, people are going to be really impressed with me. I wonder what might be written about me. I wonder what interviews there might be that follow on from this what opportunities will arise that's certainly what i was thinking i thought oh, i'm looking forward to reading an article about james cracknell and so i typed it into the internet later that day oh no actually uh, in the morning the next day and um to my surprise what i found was the uh, the top result as i typed in uh, James Cracknell, Oxford Cambridge Boat Race, was an article which had gone out the night before, so the evening of the of the Oxford Cambridge Boat Race. It was the evening standard, and it was an interview with Beverly Turner. Now, you may think, well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, this is how life can happen. So there was an interview with Beverly Turner, who is James Cracknell's wife. And she's explaining why their 17-year marriage had broken down and ended. So actually, it was used by uh, those that sell newspapers to put out the interview with his wife and tell the story of how they'd separated and how their marriage was no longer together and how their three children were dealing with that, etc., etc., etc. I just imagine that there was an expectation that it would have been a great article about a great athlete but what turned out was a story about his own personal relations with his wife and his family i guess his expectations were not met by what came out and i thought wow I kind of th I thought that was sad I still read it but I thought that was a strange outcome for a sporting legend. But you know we all have hopes and expectations and I wonder how our hopes and expectations have served us in our lives. As we look back have things worked out as we hoped or expected that they would? Or as we look forward will things work out as we hope or expect that they might? You know, whatever has happened and whatever will happen, it seems as though life doesn't go in straight lines. Life is more of a maze, a bit more of a, of a winding river than a big motorway that just channels in one route. Life seems to be full of wonder and mystery, surprise, also fear, worry, uncertainty, but then adventure but also unknown, complicated, regretful, something beyond belief, stimulating, excruciating, relentless, energizing. It could be any of those words and all of those words as we explore what happens in our stories as it unfolds, as our hopes are realized or not realized, as our expectations are met or unmet. So as we go back to this story of Jesus Christ, it's described in the Bible as the triumphant entry. I wonder what people were expecting. Jesus Christ had lived uh, on earth for around 33, 34 years, and he'd been uh, active for the last few years in ministry. So people had seen him do the miraculous, had met him, had listened to him, had 
eaten with him. There have been all sorts of stories buzzing around about who he might be. And we were coming real close to the end of the story. And I think there would have been a sense of that with this triumphant entry. Obviously, people in the now, in the moment, wouldn't have known that it will be just one week. But there was a sense that things were coming to a point. And in this moment, he was about to walk in as this king into the place where he was to be anointed, if you like. Yeah, what was that all about? What were people expecting? Well, if they were the scholarly types who knew their scripture inside out, then they may have thought, we go back and we can see what is going to happen in this moment. 1 Kings chapter 1, there's just a snippet of uh, an imagery around kingship. King David orders, he says this, Call Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benai the son of Jehoiada. When they came into the king's presence, the king said to them, Take Solomon and my officials down to Guyon Spring, and Solomon is to ride on my own mule. He's to ride on my own donkey. There Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet are to anoint him king over Israel. Blow the ram's horn and shout, Long live King Solomon! Then escort him back here, and he will sit on my throne. He will succeed me as king, for I have anointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. That is a story of kingship for King Solomon. Or you could go to Zechariah, again in the Old Testament. Zion's coming king. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. So for those that knew their scripture, the triumphant entry, when Jesus Christ comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, that is a trigger, a reminder of a promise from years gone by that this will be how the king that reigns will come to take his throne. But they may have been in the minority, those that knew the scripture. For others, there would have been an expectation of a warrior king. They've got a history of battle and conflict and strong, mighty kings who take over through power. The most recent um, powerful leader that they would have had would have been Judas Maccabeus. And... In his time, uh, they were incredibly cunning warriors. They knew how to battle. They knew how to, um, to go under the radar of their enemies and still succeed. And so Judas Maccabeus uh, defeated the Seleucids. And they did that through war. They did that through cunning. And of course, they saw around them uh, emperors of Rome emperors of Rome destroyed their enemies to create world peace through coercive military violence. That is the way in which they had seen kings rule. It was even the way in which they'd seen peace be brought to their lands. Destroy your enemies to create world peace through coercive military violence. Whatever their expectations may have been, what they received 
was Jesus Christ ushering in the kingdom of God on a donkey, modelling victory through peace lived out in sacrificial love. How incredible, how simple, how quiet, how unassuming, yet how utterly profound and life-changing. So how did people respond? Were their expectations met? Were their hopes realised? Well, people did some different things. I'm going to name three potential options. Some denied and dismissed. They said, no way. This is not the king who is coming. They rejected. They turned away. They scorned. Ultimately, they put Jesus Christ to death on the cross. They denied and they dismissed. They said, no way. Some downplayed. They remained on the fence. They became lukewarm. They did neither one nor the other. They just couldn't quite make their mind up whether they wanted to make a stand for this or just let it go. They were apathetic. They kind of went, yeah, I don't know. They downplayed it. And then there were others who delved deeper into the unfolding mystery. Maybe their perceived expectations had not been met. Probably their perceived expectations had not been met. But wonder and curiosity took them deeper, took them closer, drew them in, and increased their desire to explore, to journey, and to encounter more of God. And so what about us? This Easter, as we begin Holy Week, how will we respond to the promises that the story reveals? Will we dismiss and deny? Will we downplay? Or will we delve deeper? As we follow the Easter story through to death and resurrection, will we embrace the wonder, the mystery and the hope that it offers and allow that to transform the understanding of our own story? Will we find the courage to delve deeper into the truth that the Easter story speaks and find within it the resolve to stand firm and be present as the next chapter of the story we find ourselves in unfolds before us?